Thank you for downloading the podcast. We believe the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Hallelujah. How many love the Lord tonight? Amen. You ought to always bring a Bible to church, a notebook, something to take notes. You can go to 2 Corinthians this evening. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 is where we're going to begin. I'm going to stay hooked up with the subject of the supernatural. But this, we're going to kind of make it a little more personal. The only component of your life, and when I say component of your life, we're talking about us being three-part beings, spirit, soul, and body. The only component of your life that has any element of the supernatural to it is your human spirit. And that is because when you got born again, your human spirit became recreated. The Bible calls it brand new. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, he is a what? A new creature. Literally, it means that the part of you, the real you that was made in the likeness of the image of God, which is the spirit man, the Bible calls it by several different names. He calls it the hidden man of the heart, calls it the inward man, uh, calls it uh, uh, several different phrases it uses, it talks about, but what it's speaking of is the human spirit. That part of you, the human spirit, was actually recreated by the power of God. God moved in, the place that was left void by the sin of Adam has now been recreated and now you have moved from the iniquitous spirit of the human family to the righteous spirit of God's family. True success in your life, in every area of your life, financial, physical, uh, uh, marital, business, you name it, true success can be obtained through you understanding that if you can learn to live by your spirit, by that part of you that is supernatural, you can overcome anything in this life. And you can be a success at anything you do. And you can also find out exactly what it is you're supposed to do when it comes to God and the things of God. Learning to live by your spirit. Now notice what it says here, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to look at several things tonight. It says, let's, let's look at it. Well, verse 12. So I keep from preaching on all this and going a different direction. Verse, um, uh, verse uh, 13, that'd be better. Verse 13, we having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe and therefore I have spoken. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us raise up us also by Jesus Christ and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many rebound to the glory of God. Now notice this. For which cause we faint not, but though the outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Now here, the Apostle Paul speaking to us using the church at Corinth as the platform calls it what? Notice again what it says. It calls it the inward man. The inward man is what? Renewed day by day. Now the inward man is exactly that part of you that is your spirit, your human spirit. You have a spirit. 
Your soul, the Bible says your soul is your mind, your emotions, your will. You know, it says over in the book of Proverbs, he that winneth souls is wise. Have you ever read that? Proverbs 20 or 18, right in there somewhere, 19, right in there somewhere. Now, now we've always used that to mean, well, he that goes out and, and hands out tracts. And that, that absolutely has nothing to do with it. Let me give you a, 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 an understanding of, of soul winning. Have you ever been undecided about a political uh, uh, individual when it comes to a vote, somebody you're thinking, uh, I might vote for this person or, or I might vote for that person. I hadn't made a decision yet. So you listen to what they say. Now, one of them says, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to do this. The other says, I'm going to do this and that and this and that. What they're doing is they're competing for your soul. Did you know that's what they're doing? It has nothing to do with your spirit. They're, they're trying to win your soul. They're trying to win your mind, your emotions, and your will so that you will vote for them. That's exactly what it's being talked about in Proverbs. He that winneth souls or he that can convince somebody in their mind or their emotions or their will. Whoever does that is wise. It's really not talking about going out and handing out tracts and getting people saved. Because when you get saved, your soul does not get saved. Your spirit does. You are left with a soul. Your mind needs to be renewed. Your, 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 Your will needs to be brought into subjection of the will of God. Amen. Amen. And your emotions need to be controlled by the word of God. So therefore, you must understand that once you get born again, that real you, the person that is you, gets saved. That's where the life of God comes. That's where the spirit of God comes. It comes into your human spirit. Now, you possess a soul, but you live in a body. It's your earth suit. You know, you see these guys on TV that go down into the, into the depths of the ocean. Uh, they put on a, a, a scuba diving suit or, a, or some type of a, a suit in which they can go down, especially if it's real deep and real cold. They got these big old suits on. Well, without that suit, they couldn't do that. Without your earth suit, you couldn't be on the, you couldn't be on the earth. It'd be illegal for you to be here. Without your earth suit, you as a human being would be either one of two places. You'd be in heaven or hell. You say, but what about ghosts? They don't exist. That's demon spirits going out there trying to fool people, doing this and that and all these other kind of things. Those things are not reality. They're not real. Amen. So I'm looking out of you. I'm looking out through the windows of my earth suit tonight, looking at you. You're looking back at me out of the windows of your earth suit. But it is the inward man. It is the spirit man on the inside of you that if you can learn about it, if you can grow it, if you can grow up into it and let it dominate you, then you will begin to release the supernatural components of God into your life that will affect not only your soul, but your flesh and everything else in your life. But now notice what it says here. It says, for which cause we faint not, but though the outward man perisheth. Now you got to understand about something about the outward man, the body. Because of sin, the body is corrupt. It is corrupting. It is aging. I mean, you can take good, I know there's a lot of people right now uh, believing God to, to live to be 120 years old. Well, tell me that when you're 99. Amen. I mean, it starts getting rough when you start getting in your upper 90s. I guarantee you, there's just something about the sin of Adam. When he sinned, it affected the human body to the point that there is corruption. The Bible says that one day, immortality, excuse me, mortality, which is our human corrupted flesh, will put on immortality. One day, you'll have a glorified body. One day, you'll have a body that is not subject to aging. All the ladies said. That means no wrinkles, no problem like that, amen? What Jesse Duplantis used to call, no, no, no hell damage on your hips there? <laughs> 
You won't be subject to any of that. We should have left Jesse out of that, couldn't we? Amen. But see, all that's corruption. That's what that is. That's, that process is taking place. That's why we age. But it says, the outward man perisheth. Now, no, yet the inward man is what renewed. Now, notice this, though. This is something very interesting. It is renewed how often? Well, on Sundays. We come on Sundays and Wednesday night. It's renewed, or it must be renewed day by day. Now, let me ask you a question. If some of us treated our physical bodies the way we treat our human spirits, what would our physical body looks like, look like? You say, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, your physical body, how many like to eat? Uh, you know, how many know you need to exercise? Uh, how many know you need to breathe? How many know you need, there's other things your physical body needs to do? What if you just suspended that and say, well, I'm not, I'll, I'll do that Sunday morning and, and Wednesday night. Uh, 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 it won't be long. Your body going to be messed up bad because your body needs attention daily. Let me say that again. Your body needs attention daily. And if you really think about it, your soul needs attention daily. There, there needs to be information. There needs to be communication. I mean, there would be nothing, nothing worse <clears throat> than to be uh, uh, stuck on an island somewhere with nobody around to talk to, uh, nobody to communicate with, no, talk, no form of entertainment, nothing going on. I mean, it drive you crazy. Amen? So you must understand there is a daily ritual that you're involved in when it comes to taking care of your body. There's a daily ritual that you're involved in when it comes to taking care of your soul, whether you do it consciously or unconsciously, but there also should be a daily ritual which you should be involved in when it comes to taking care of the inward man. Thank you for all those positive amens. See, the problem with the church is they thought they could get by with, you know, one old dry meal on Sunday morning and another dry meal on Wednesday night when they didn't work like that. You need three good square meals a day physically. You probably need at least that much spiritually. So many people get in trouble trying to serve God by making decisions based on their flesh and based on their soul and not based upon their spirit. But when you make decisions based upon your soul and your flesh, you always make mistakes. But when you make decisions based on the inward man of the heart or the, or, or the real you on the inside, the spirit man that is connected to God, you rarely make mistakes. You say, why not? Because in there is where God abides and if you are going in the wrong direction, you have to override his impartation into your spirit in order to do something stupid like that. Now, let me just say this right up front. We don't want to get into this argument tonight, but it does bear a little bit of attention or thinking or thought. We see a lot of people I know at the street outreach, I know at the jail ministry, I know here in, here, in the, uh, uh, here in the church, we see a lot of people that come up and pray what we call, quote, the sinner's prayer. The Bible says, if you'll believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now, here's what's unique about being saved, about being born again. A person that is truly born again a person that prays that prayer, not from their mind, a person that prays that prayer, not because the preacher asked them to, but they desire to pray it and they pray it from their heart or from their spirit, immediately God imparts to him his life. The Zoe of God goes into their human spirit and recreates it. When that happens, a great change takes place. You no longer want to do what you used to do. You no longer want to go. A desire change happens. 
You say, well, are, are there people that pray that prayer and there is no desire change? Yes, there's one of two things that happen. Either they do not believe in their heart or they do not confess with their mouth. A lot of people will confess with their mouth, but they do not believe in their heart. I talked to a guy the other day and I said, your main problem is you need to get saved. Man, I've been saved for a long time. I said, you ain't been saved for 10 minutes. He said, well, how do you know? Who are you to judge me? I said, I'm not judging you by anything but the word of God. I said, for years, you've been an alcoholic. I said, for years, you've had nothing to do with the church. I said, for years, you've had this, quote, form of spirituality, but when it comes to the things of God, you could care less. You reject everything that God wants to do in your life, and all, I mean, I was just being honest with him. He, wanted, he called me up and said, I want you to be real honest with me. He had a promise, so I'll be real honest with you. I said, if you were truly born again, you'd have a heart for God. Let me try that again. If you were truly born again, if you really meant it in your heart when you said that prayer, you would have had a change from the inside out. You would have quit doing the things you were doing. Sin would make you miserable. You can't go back to the beer joints. You can't go back to the party. You can't go back to the places you used to go. You can't drink what you used to drink, smoke what you used to smoke, look at what you used to look at, and be a happy person. If you enjoy all that stuff, but you put on this form of godliness, that's just religion. That's all that is, is religion. It is not the new birth. And people need to understand, when you get born again, something happens on the inside that the behavior and the activity on the outside has to change because it's no longer the same. How many remember when you got born again? And then you went back and maybe you listened to a song or you went back to a beer joint or you did something. And when you did it, it just wasn't the same. You didn't get the same thrill out of it. You didn't get the same buzz out of it. You just, there's something wrong here. You knew there was something wrong. You may not have known what it was, but you knew there was something wrong. That's because you are not the same person that you used to be. You are now a new creature in Christ. You now belong to God. Now that is totally opposite. That behavior is opposite of that which is on the inside of you. So the thing is, if you continue to override that which is on the inside of you, it will callous you. The most miserable people in the earth are the people that are born again but refuse to live for God. They're just miserable. They're miserable, miserable, miserable people. They can't get high like they used to get high. They can't get drunk like they used to get drunk. They can't party like they used to party. You say, why not? Because it's not in them any longer. It's no longer in them. Amen? So, the inward man is renewed, everybody say, day, day. by day. So that means you got to do something every day. You got to pray, you got to read the word, you got to exercise your human spirit, and you got to learn to live by your spirit. Now, I want you to go to Acts real quick. Let's look at a, I was, I was kind of wondering how to, how to go this direction. Let's start, let's start in Acts 14. I think it's Acts 14. I've marked several of these. Yeah, let's go to Acts chapter 14, and let's look at a couple of things. Now, we know over in Ephesians, you don't have to turn there. In Ephesians, the prayer that's prayed in chapter 3. It's a prayer that you would be strengthened in where? Your inward man. The inward man, by his spirit. Amen? Now, notice Acts chapter 14. It says in verse 8, it says, There sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak, 
who steadfastly beholding him, now notice this, and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand upright on thy feet, and he leaped and walked. Woo, what a miracle. Now notice that word, perceiving. Everybody say perceiving. Now we know that faith is a spiritual force. So we know that Paul did not perceive with his mind. We know Paul did not perceive with his physical flesh. But as he taught the word of God, he perceived. Now I don't know if you've ever, I don't know if you've ever been in a crowd uh, that was really, uh, uh, didn't know what you were talking about when you were preaching. Here in the United States, it's hard to find a crowd like this. If you go overseas, I remember when we first began to preach in the nation of Ireland. Uh, remember when we had what, Jim and uh, Jan Smith here back at the end of the year last year from Ireland. They pastored over in Limerick, Ireland. We were back in the office and he asked me, he said, I need to ask you a question. Uh, he said, yeah, he said, uh, what, uh, you, you've been in 18 different nations preaching uh, the gospel. What's the darkest nation you've ever been in? I mean, I didn't even hesitate. I didn't even hesitate. I said, without a doubt, it's Ireland. He looked at me. He said, I wish people would understand that. It's not, it, wasn't the, it wasn't Haiti. It wasn't the Philippines. It wasn't Nicaragua. Well, you, say, you said Ireland, Ireland was the darkest nation I'd ever been in. I'd never been in a place where there was so much darkness in my life. Now, in teaching, especially on the subject of faith, on the subject of redemption, the blood, the cross, literally, you could see people's faces light up. You can see the light of God. As you would teach the word of God, I mean just teach the word, teach the word, teach the word, teach. You'd see their faces just light up. Revelation knowledge would hit them. Now you couldn't see that with natural eyes. You'd have to see that with spiritual eyes. But I could see it. I could literally see it. You could see them getting light. You'd see their countenance change. You could tell. You could perceive faith was coming on the inside of it. You could perceive. You could see. Now that's spiritual. That's your human spirit. Now it didn't say here that the gifts of the spirit were in operation. It didn't say he had a word of knowledge. It didn't say anything. He said no. He's up there preaching the word of God. Obviously the guy heard. Everybody say heard. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So he perceived he had what? Faith to be healed. So he's just watching this guy. He's just watching this guy. He's watching the word go past his mind. He's watching the word go past his flesh. He's watching the word go into his spirit. And when he's perceived, that shows us what? Your human spirit can perceive. There are all kinds of areas in your life in which just a perception of the spirit can protect you can help you. I know many times I've been traveling and I thought, well, I'll go home this way. Or I'll do it. This. And, God, and the Lord said, no, don't, don't, don't do that. Go this way or, or go that way or, or, or going to do something. I was going to do it one way. And God said, no, don't, don't do that. Do it this way. Well, that's just a perception in your spirit. It's not necessarily a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom or an operation of the gifts of the Holy Ghost. It's just your human spirit in contact with the spirit of God. Here, Paul just perceived in his spirit. He just watched this guy. Tell him, Man, that guy's got some faith. Stand up. You're healed. He stood up. He was healed. Amen. Amen. Now, notice a little further. I think this is interesting. In the ministry of the Apostle Paul. Now look here in verse, let's, let's go to chapter 16 just a moment. Look at, look at verse 16, chapter 16, verse 16. It says, and it came to pass as we went to prayer. A certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. Witchcraft, Amen. Now, let me, first of all, let me just say, witchcraft is a work of the flesh. 
You go study the, you go study the book of Galatians and you'll see what's the works of the, the, the fruits of the spirit and you'll see the works of the flesh. Sometimes people try to get all in the ditch when it comes to witchcraft. This big spiritual, no. Witchcraft is nothing more than a work of the human flesh. Three different foundations of witchcraft are intimidation, manipulation, and control. I've seen witchcraft in churches. I've seen preachers operate in intimidation, manipulation, and control. That's witchcraft. Stay away from that stuff. So here comes this lady. She's operating in witchcraft, obviously probably uh, with a familiar spirit. It's saying the same followed Paul and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which showed us the way of salvation. This did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. Now, where do you think he was grieved? His spirit man. In his spirit. You know, you could have thought, hey man, this is good advertisement. We got this gal going all over town. She's inviting people to the meetings. Uh, she's telling people, hey man, these people are preaching the gospel. They're getting people saved. Miracles are taking place. And the Bible says this went on many days. So obviously he put up with it and put up with it and put up with it and put up with it. But something kept, you know, something on the inside just kept, you know, something ain't right here. Something ain't right here. Something not right here. I imagine he was praying and interceding. Lord, show me what's not right. Till finally the Holy Ghost said, see that woman over there, she's a witch. And what she's doing, oh man, we thought she was a part of everything. She's telling everybody how great this is, how good God is. See, the enemy always tries to connect himself to what God is doing. But many times when he tries to do it, what he'll do, it'll grieve you in your spirit. Some of you know it exactly what I'm talking about. You've been out on the street or somewhere and somebody start, you start talking to somebody and they start talking about things, start talking about your church, start talking about move of God and all of a sudden down in here in your spirit you start to feel that grieving. Get away from those people. They're trying. Listen, a lot of times that stuff is infectious. It will infect your soul. Your mind, your emotions, your will. That's why I stay away from people that try to come. To, let me talk to you about this preacher. Let me talk to you about that preacher. Let me talk to you about this church. Let me talk to you about, I say, no, no, I don't need to know anything about that. I don't need to know. That grieves my spirit to hear that kind of stuff. It ought to grieve your spirit. I tell you, that'll help keep you safe. Now, it grieved Paul's spirit to the point that he did something about it. The same thing's true in your life. Something may be going on. Listen, there might be something going on in your house. There might be something going on at your job, in your business. And every time that event happens, every time that thing happens, down here in your spirit, it's just like kind of a man. Ah, that, that ain't right. That ain't right. On the surface, it may look right. In the flesh, it may look right. It may have all the things that it needs to be what it should be. But in the spirit, there's something wrong. In the spirit. With doctrine. I remember one time I heard a guy preach a message. And he was a guy. He was a good guy, good minister. But he preached a message on faith. And he talked about, he was using the, uh, the, uh, uh, the story or the, or the parable of the unprofitable servant. Which in the reality of that message, it talks about how Forgiveness is something we ought to do and not expect anything in return from. When we use our faith to forgive, when we forgive, that is our reward. But he used that, that, that parable to draw a parallel that faith doesn't even work. 
And I'm like, now wait a minute. I mean, I remember this. I was a Bible school student at the time. It was about two, uh, two months before I was to graduate. So this would have been in, in about uh, 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 April or May of 1985. So I was in Bible school and this guy's preaching this message. He's talking about, well, you really can't expect your faith to operate this area or that area because it is unprofitable. Faith is really an unprofitable. And I'm thinking to myself, that's not what I believe. That's not in the word of God. And the more he spoke, the more grieved I began to get in my spirit. I was at Lakewood Church one time and a, and a minister came in and got up and preached and talked about how now we're Christians and we're supposed to take over. We're supposed to, some of you remember the old uh, dominion doctrine. We're supposed to take over. Now, now, if you're working at a job, you need to believe God to take that whole business over. If you're, a, if you're a, 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 a living in a city somewhere, you need to run for mayor. I mean, and this was the doctrine they were preaching. They were preaching, now what we're going to do as the body of Christ is we're going to take over the whole world and then we're going to present it to Jesus and that's when he's going to come back. Well, that's not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. And you know, Brother Osteen got up and took a great offering and, and blessed him and, and then got up on Sunday morning and said, now we love Brother so-and-so and we love their ministry, but listen, what they preached, we do not believe. Jesus said, we're gonna occupy till he comes and what we're gonna do is we're gonna preach the gospel to the world. That's what we're gonna do. But I remember as they were preaching that, my spirit was grieved on the inside. So when you learn that your spirit can be what? It can be grieved, Amen. It can be renewed daily. Let's look at a couple other things. How's my time? Good. Let's see. Go to chapter. Look at chapter 18. Chapter 18. Paul heads for Corinth, verse 1. Now notice this. It said, after these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. And he came unto them. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought for their, for their occupation, for by their occupation they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, now notice this, Paul was pressed in the spirit. Now notice that's a small s. He was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. Now let me read this. This is interesting in the Amplified. It says, by the time Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was completely engrossed with preaching, earnestly arguing and testifying to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. Now everybody say pressed in the spirit. Now, if you study the word pressed in the Greek in which it was written in the New Testament, the word pressed literally means to be sharpened to a point of perfection. Now, at this point, now, now understand a little bit. Let's get a little background. By the time Paul gets to, Paul gets to Corinth, he's a little bit snake bit. Does anybody know what I mean by snake bit? Now, he'd been a good preacher. He'd been preaching, but a couple of places in Iconium, in Lystra, in Derby, they stoned him in one place. They beat him with rods in another. I mean, every place he'd go, he'd have a revival, but man, he paid a price physically. They'd beat him, they'd stone him. They stoned him once till the Bible said he was dead. And obviously, Jesus raised him from the dead so he could continue with his ministry. So by the time he gets to Corinth, he's like, ah. I think, I'll, I think I'll just build some tents, you know. <laughs> uh, this preaching the gospel, I mean, it's good to see the signs, the wonders, the miracles, all that's going on, but I don't know, this tent stuff. But see, there's something working on the inside of him. You ever had something working on the inside of you? 
a, a word working on the inside, something in the spirit realm keeps, keeps pressing you, pressing and pressing and pressing and pressing. I know the feeling. I went through that for five years. And I want you to know in those five years, <laughs> this is mind-blowing. In the five years in which God dealt with me to leave evangelistic ministry and begin pastoral ministry, I preached the best messages of my ministry. I saw the greatest meetings of my ministry. I saw the most amount of people saved. I saw blind eyes open. I saw cripples walk. I saw signs. You'd have thought on the, uh, with outward observation, with outward observation, why in the world is this boy quitting field ministry and going to pastor a church? Amen? I mean, I'd get up and preach, get revelation knowledge from the Word. That gift of a teacher would operate. The gifts of the Spirit would kick in, sign wonders and miracles. I mean, we were doing meetings Sunday through Wednesday, two services a day. We'd be walking out of there on Sunday night, I mean, on Wednesday night, and the pastor would be saying, when can you come back? When can you come back? When, when can you come back? We are getting sixteen, seventeen, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 offerings everywhere we were going. Money was flowing. Blessing was flowing. But I was being pressed in my spirit. Something was being sharpened on the inside of me. I was teaching and preaching the word of God. And I continued to press in, feed my human spirit. And that helped me make the right decision. Some of you don't realize how important it is to stay close to God. Stay close to the Lord, study the Word of God, come to church, pray in the Spirit, do what you know to do. If you have a venue or an outlet for ministry, if you go to the jail, if you go to the street outreach, want to be involved in tent ministry, if you're a Sunday school teacher, if you work with the youth or the children, do it to the best of your ability. Let it sharpen the inside of you because God will press you in the Spirit to the point where you're going to have to make a decision. You say, what do you mean? Paul had to make a decision. We could read the rest of the chapter. You will see that Paul's like, hey, you know, man, this is all, this is all well and good, but, but I don't know about this starting this church stuff. And man, I remember I got some scars. I got some knots on my head. I got some, I got some scars on my back. And I don't know if I want to do this because I've done this before and I've gotten into some real trouble. Eventually God had to do what? Had to give him a supernatural visitation. And to tell him, hey man, I got a lot of people in this town. If you'll go in and press in and do what I'm telling you to do, no one will harm you. See, Paul got delivered of his thorn in the flesh in Corinth. You see, now what do you mean? Well, the Bible says that he beseeched the Lord three times. He said, I got a thorn in my flesh. You know what his thorn in the flesh was? He didn't have weak eyes or diseased eyes. He was a faith man. Everywhere he went, he got people healed. He walked in divine health. Are you with me? His thorn in the flesh, go study the term thorn in the flesh. It comes from the old covenant in which God said, now when you go into the promised land, you get all them ites out of here. Those Canaanites, those Hittites, those Jebusites. If you do not, they're going to be pricks in your side and thorns in your flesh. People were thorns in Paul's flesh. Everywhere he went, people would come in behind him and they would start Judaizing. Well, that's fine. You can get saved. You can listen to Paul, but you better get circumcised. You better obey the Hebrew law. You better do this. You better do that. They'd end up in a fight. And Paul would end up on the bad end of the fight. Those people would get violent, but he was doing his best to walk in love. So he probably figured, man, here we go again. Here we go again. Here I am. Here the gift of God's working in me. I'm preaching. People are getting saved. Signs and wonders and miracles. Here comes the gifts of the Spirit. Oh my goodness, what's going to happen next? 
Is it going to be a beating? Is it going to be a stoning? What's it going to be this time? I guarantee he began to back away, back away. And God said, no, 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 don't do that. And visited him supernaturally and said, don't do it, Paul. I got much people in this city. And from Corinth, he goes to Ephesus and preaches the word all over Asia. Nobody could stop him. You say, why? Because he was pressed in his spirit. Pressed in his spirit. We got time for one more? Yeah. You liking this? Is this helping you tonight? Now, let's, let's look. Let me think which one would be the best. I got a couple of them here. Okay, we'll do this one. We'll do this one. He came to Ephesus. He found the 12. Great special miracles were wrought by his hands. We know that all that took place there, it says in verse 18, many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many also of them which used curious arts, those are people into the occult, brought their books together and burned them before all men. They counted the price of them, found it to be 50,000 pieces of silver. Wow. Then I like verse 20. So mightily, so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Now notice this. After these things were ended, Paul purposed in the spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. Now notice this, purposed in his spirit. It's not, that's not a capital, it's a small. Purpose where you make up your spirit mind. I'm going to do, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. I'm going to receive this healing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to see this manifestation of God. I'm going to see this in my business. I'm going to get this promotion. God dropped something in and you know, all of a sudden you say, that's it. Now, we've got to understand that if he did not purpose in his spirit to do that, he would have never made it to Jerusalem and eventually end up in Rome because even prophets came to him and prophesied. Now, they didn't tell him not to go by the Holy Ghost. They did personally as his friends, the Bible says, they begged him not to go. But the Holy Spirit, the only thing the Holy Spirit did was to tell him what's going to happen when you get there. The Holy Spirit said, when you get there, you're going to walk into a mess. You're going to walk into a buzzsaw. You're going to have... Now, if he had not purposed in his spirit, he would have never went to Jerusalem. He would have never done it. He would have never done it. If he had not already purposed in his spirit, God's calling me to go to Jerusalem, and from Jerusalem, I'm going to Rome. I'm going to preach the gospel in Jerusalem. I'm going to preach the gospel in Rome. I'm going to preach it in front of Caesar. I'm going to preach the gospel to the world. And the Bible says that when he began to go that direction, there were people that prophesied. There were people that had tongues and interpretation of tongues. They talked about a guy took and illustrated, literally illustrated a prophecy and bound himself with Paul's garments, said whoever uh, garments this is to go bound to Jerusalem. That's exactly how he went. When he got there, he took a Jewish vow got into a fight, they tried to kill him, all kinds of stuff happened. He better have had a purpose in his spirit. When God drops something into your spirit, it helps you to weather what comes against you that tells you it's not going to happen. Some of you, God has put a purpose, it's in your human spirit. The enemy has tried to derail you. The enemy has tried to mess with your mind. The enemy has tried to do everything to do. But if you've got a purpose in your spirit, you won't quit. You won't back up. You'll just keep pressing in. You'll just keep pressing in, keep pressing in, keep pressing in. I remember when I was in Bible school. This is a good way to end, good way to to, to close. When I was in Bible school, I was not a good student in high school. I mean, not because I wasn't smart. I I just had no... He does not apply himself. 
He has the ability, but he does not have the want to. I was majorly distracted. Amen? So, when I got to Bible school, which was 10 years, a solid decade after my high school experience, 10 years, I get to Bible school, and I've got teachers that are, that are doctored, have doctorates of divinity. My first course from Brother John Osteen was E.W. Kenyon's Advanced Bible, school, uh, Advanced Bible Course. I don't know if you've ever read that book. That's a very difficult book to read. Well, we had to read a chapter a week and then do the questions at the end. Then I had other teachers, and I'm telling these classes. And, and so there was, a, there was a time after about two weeks, I, I, just, I just said, God, I, I can't do this. this is, I'm not a good student. I don't know how to study. I never learned how to study. I mean, you know, I just, I'm just not a good student. But, you know, down in my spirit was a purpose. God had dropped a purpose in my spirit, a drive, a desire on the inside of me. So what I did when it looked like I should have quit and give up, what I did is I turned even more to God. And I began to say, God, how am I going to do that? And I never forget the Lord. He spoke to me and said, your problem, man, you're trusting in your own ability. You're trusting in your own might. You're trusting in your own strength. And I was, listen, you don't understand. I'd come home from school and I'd lock myself in my bedroom and I'd either pray or study till the next morning. And I still couldn't get it right. I still couldn't get it right. So the Lord spoke to me and said, you're going to have to learn to trust me and go through this experience by faith purpose in your heart, you're going to finish your course and I'll give you another course. But if you don't finish this course, how can I give you another one? Woo! That's, that's literally been one of my redeeming insights of the gospel since that time, understanding that when God puts you on a course, he wants you to complete that so that he can put you on another course after that. Some people, they go round and round the mountain for years, never completing the course that God gives them, trying to go off and do something else here and there, and it always comes right back to that. I said, all right, Lord, how do I do this? I mean, I wasn't going to give up. I didn't have a give up in me. I didn't have a quit in me. I thought, I'm going to do this. If I, if I get the, you know, if I've got to go to summer school, I'll go to summer school. I used to be my deal in high school. and I went to summer school every year from the sixth grade through the twelfth grade. Yeah, we'll take care of that summer school, you know. <laughs> so, the Lord spoke to me and said, you're going to have to do this by faith. And I understood that about like I understand brain surgery. Well, how do you do this? Okay, Lord, I just quit doing everything. He said, no, what you do is you do predetermine, you, you pray, you study, and then you have enough faith in me that this is a good word for students. If you're a student in here, this will help you mightily in your, in your educational experience. You believe that your human spirit is powerful enough to enlighten your mind. Believe it. Believe it. Believe it. So how do you believe? I just begin to say it. I begin to confess it. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, the eyes of my understanding being enlightened. I know it is the hope of your calling. Thank you, Heavenly Father, uh, that I know the knowledge of your will with all spiritual understanding. Walk worthy of the Lord. I'm fruitful in every good work and I increase in the knowledge of God. And I thank you, Father, that that knowledge rises up out of my spirit and affects my mind so that I do have the mind of Christ, so that I'm able to recall, I'm able to understand, I'm able to write the reports I need to write, I'm able to take the test, I'm able to memorize, I'm able to do everything that I need to do. And hanging in my office right now is a certificate of excellence in scholarship where I made straight A's in my Bible school experience. 
Not only that, I made every class, never was late, got another certificate for excellence in attendance. You say, how did you do that? I did not. I purposed in my spirit. I purposed in my heart, in my spirit, I'm going to go through this. I'm going to get this course behind me so I can get on the next course that God has for me, and I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it not by my mind, not by my flesh, but by the spirit of God that's in my human spirit. That's what this is all about, learning to get in contact with your human spirit. In every endeavor to receive from God, the question is, how do I receive? How do I get If your body gets attacked with sickness and disease, you ought to get on your, okay, Lord, how do I receive healing this time? Because it won't be your last time because you'll fight sickness and disease your whole life. How do I receive? Is it the hands being laid on me? Do I go through it by faith? Do I get it through confession? Do I need to go to the healing crusade? What do I need to do, Lord? What is my path of righteousness in this circumstance? Because all this is is a trying of my faith, which is more precious than gold. So I willingly go through this with joy. I glory in my tribulation, knowing from the inside I have a purpose. I purpose for healing to manifest in my body. I purpose for the finances to come into my life. I purpose to complete the CBE class. I purpose to whatever it is that you've got in your heart and in your spirit to do it by the Spirit. What did God tell Nehemiah? Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. His spirit is where? In your spirit. So when you learn to begin to get in contact with that area of who you really are, because you really are a spirit, you're not a soul, you're not a body, you are a human spirit, that's where God is, that's where God abides, that's where your strength is, that's where your help is, that's where the Holy Ghost abides, that's the communication center of your spirituality, and I guarantee your mind, your mind will do, it'll fight, it'll kick, it'll scream, it wants to sit on the throne of your life. Your body, your body literally is, is pretty submissive to your mind, naturally. But your mind will fight to sit on the throne. Your intellect will fight to sit on the throne of your life. But you've got to understand, if it does, then you are very, very limited when it comes to spiritual things. I would say, I would say extremely limited when it comes to spiritual things. But if you can take and allow your human spirit to sit on the throne of your life, because if your human spirit sits on the throne of your life, who sits on the throne of your life? Jesus does. Because he is the one that possesses. He is the owner. You are possessed by Jesus. I said you are possessed by Jesus. You are not your own. You are bought with a price. You might as well go ahead and give him the preeminence and tell him, sit on the throne of my life. And when he does and let him take over, I guarantee you're going to start seeing success like you've never seen before. Amen. Hallelujah. Lift your hands up and worship the Lord. Father, we bless your name. We exalt you. We glorify you. We magnify you tonight, Lord. Father, let us be ever aware on the inside, Lord, that hidden man of the heart. Lord, you said we had this treasure in earthen vessels. Thank you for our human body. Thank you for our mind and emotions and our will. But Lord, it is our spirit. You said for as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. That the spirit on the inside of us cries out, Abba, Father, that we're led by the spirit. That we're in the human spirit, Lord, is where you communicate, speak. That we worship you by the Spirit. That we receive by the Spirit. 
Thank you for it, Father. Hallelujah. Just worship the Lord for a minute. Just pray in the Holy Ghost for just a moment. Just a moment. I know my time is up. Mm -mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Father. Now that fight that you're fighting is in your mind, your soul, your emotions, your will. Listen, don't fall into the trap of being so caught up in that warfare that you miss what God's trying to speak to your spirit. That's where you get weary. That's where you get tired. That's where you get worn out. I mean, it'll wear, it'll flat wear you out. I, I, one of my, and I'll close with this. I know I've rambled too long. One of the greatest illustrations in my life of spirit strength. Lee and I went to the Philippine Islands in 1989 and all the other speakers canceled because of the, the, the danger of what was going on down in Mindanao at the time. So in five days, I preached 35 meetings. I did seven meetings a day for five days. I did six, te six teaching meetings and a crusade at night. Now, I wore out three interpreters. What impressed me was the wearing out of the three interpreters. You say, now, why did that impress you? Because they were just interpreting with their mind, with their intellect. But I was speaking by the Spirit. So after about, each one of them was able to weather about 10 or 12 meetings. After about 10 or 12 meetings, they, 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 were, they were finished. They couldn't speak anymore. Their, their voices were gone. They couldn't stand up. They couldn't, you know, I'd walk around. They'd walk behind me with a mic. They couldn't walk. They couldn't find. And so the, the, the leader of the crusade would say, well, we need to get another interpreter. And they did. There are three of them. Wore out three of them. Now, you say, why were they wore out and you weren't? Because what I was doing was by the Spirit. I remember walking in there. When we walked into the city, something just dropped in me. It just dropped, a pur that purpose, that, it just dropped. Like Paul, it said in Corinthians, uh, there in Corinth, how he was sharpened. I mean, I just took off, just took off. Monday morning, remember we'd start on Monday morning, nine o'clock, just took off, boom, took off. We got pictures at the, home, at the house. We've got still some of us that the storm didn't get. Of all, we thought we were in a youth meeting. We did. We thought it was a youth meeting. All these Filipinos, they looked so young. We found out later they weren't so young. One guy I thought was 30 years old was 75. I'm like, man, I need to move down here. But I'm telling you, meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting, the Holy Ghost would fall. The Spirit of God would move. The crusades at night, people would get healed and saved. We had so much fun. And then we came back. We had, we had Easter uh, lunch in the Ramada Inn in Manila, got on an airplane, flew to Hawaii, and had Easter lunch in Hawaii. Leah and, and Sister Redmond were just wore out. We got in the hotel, put them in the bed. I went surfing. And I remember, I went and rent a surfboard. I had to give them my wallet. And I paddled out, and I caught the second wave I caught. I lost my board. I was about 100 yards offshore in the beautiful Hawaii, and the sun was setting. I'm out in the middle of the... I just put my hands up and begin to just scream. You say, what do you mean? I was so affected by the power in the Spirit, I couldn't surf it out. I couldn't scream it out. I mean, it took me days to get back to normal. Well, man, if God can do that, 
as we minister, my goodness, what can he do in our businesses, our lives? I mean, that's what he's wanting to do. He's wanting to just explode on the inside of us. And we so limit him with our minds and our flesh. We need to be more yielded day by day. The inward man is what? Renewed day by day. Amen. Stand on your feet. Father, we bless your name. Thank you for your goodness. Anybody need prayer in their bodies tonight? If you do, lift your hand up. Say, Pastor, I need prayer in my body. You do? Come on, if you need prayer in your body, come on up real quick. We want to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. What's wrong with you? You're failing your class. Oh, okay. Well, let's pray for you. Are you a Christian? You born again? Jesus is your Lord. Okay, let's pray. Father, right now, I agree with this young man that these principles that we taught tonight will come alive on the inside of him. That his human spirit will cause his mind to be enlightened. That he will grasp these truths, realities. Dig a little deeper into your word. Spend a little more time kneeling in prayer, speaking unto the Lord. And I thank you, Father, the areas in which he's failing in his schoolwork, I thank you that he'll become excellent. That his grades will come up and it will astound even his teachers. Thank you, Father. Thank you for it, Lord. We receive it by faith. In Jesus' name. I agree with you. Amen? Amen. What about you? Oh, my goodness. Come here, sweetheart. Lay hands on her back right, right around her kidneys there. Father, right now, thank you for healing in her kidneys, for what the doctors can do, for all that has been done for her. But, Father, we thank you supernaturally now. Healing virtue and healing power flows into her body, causing those kidneys to completely recover in Jesus' name. Kidneys, we speak to you, and we say in the name of Jesus, be healed. Every molecule, every cell of these kidneys, be strengthened and be healed healed in the name of Jesus. Now, Father, we thank you for that. And we thank you for total health and healing in her body. In Jesus' name. Now, what about you? I'm finishing school. I'm going to school to get my master's in psychology. The Lord put a purpose of a business. Uh -huh. I'm working on it. I don't have a place to live and I don't have a job. Oh, my goodness. Let's just agree. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, you see what she needs. The needs of her life, we come into agreement with your word, Lord. You said you would supply all of our need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Father, I pray over her for the spirit of wisdom to come upon on her. Lord, I thank you for the revelation in the knowledge of you. Eyes of her understanding, be enlightened in Jesus' name and let the wisdom of God begin to flow into her life. Father, I thank you that she finds a place finds a job, completes her education, and that which you put in her own spirit, that she purposes in her heart not to quit, not to give up. In Jesus' name, amen. We agree. Praise God. What about you? What's up? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for healing. And Sister Rojas, I rebuke that stomach ache in the name of Jesus. I command it to go. I say, in Jesus' name, be healed. Devil, get your hands off of God's property. And Father, I thank you right now for healing in her stomach, her intestines, every part of her body that has to do with the digestion of her food. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Well, lift up your hands and worship the Lord tonight. Thank you, Father. We bless your name, Lord. Father, as we leave tonight, we thank you for your Thank you for joining us today. We trust you enjoyed the podcast. We extend an invitation to you to come join us in one of our services Sunday morning, 1045. 
Tuesday prayer, 7.30. Thursday evening, midweek service, 7.30. We are located 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. See you there.